produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best news. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am group. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. Day 11, test 37, configuration 2.0. For lack of a better option, dummy is still on fire safety. If you douse me again and I'm not on fire, I'm donating you to City College. Wow, Kyle's changed his voice. Well, you know, when you become a young man, that happens. True, true. Well, it is the intrepid duo. Uh, tr- the third part of the trio is on a secret mission across the Canadian border. Dick off, eh? <laughs> do, 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 do. No, 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 no. You got to do it. You got to do it higher. Yes, I have been channeling my Bob and Doug McKenzie all week long, and I do not apologize for that. Beer hunter, eh? Beauty. Um, you take a can. I'm even going to fix some poutine later. I don't know. You know? <laughs> um, it is Eric and myself, Mike. How you doing? 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 Okay, I think we need to stop before but before Thirsty intervenes again. I'm not a schwaffle. No, she's not a schwaffle. She is pretty much our school marm here. <laughs> uh, we, uh, as much as I hate to break up the levity, we do need to start things off with a bit of sad news, uh, and that being um, Marvel Comics colorist Justin Ponzer. Uh, he had uh, been diagnosed with cancer and been undergoing treatment. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his battle with cancer over the previous weekend. Um, yeah. Passed away in his home, surrounded by loved ones on the 18th. And uh, you know, our our hearts go out to his family. Uh, he was just 42, younger than is, both of us. Yes, younger than both. Actually, younger than all three of us too. So it's it. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 sad when when you lose somebody to cancer anyway, but. I'm 42, man. It's like, that's just. Uh, it sucks. I don't know. It, it, it does. Yes, that's the best way you put it. It sucks. Yeah. And there's a uh, there's a uh, picture on his social media account. I think it was the his uh, Facebook account where there's a picture of him. I guess this was taken pretty much on his birthday because it's got 42 on his shirt. But he has, uh, he's got a ton of Lego in his background and I'm just in the background of the picture. And I'm just kind of like. Yep, kind of jealous. Yeah, yeah, but but seriously, our um, our hearts and our and our thoughts and our prayers go out to Justin Ponzer's loved ones. Um, 
So, yeah. Yeah. Godspeed, Justin. Very much Godspeed. Um, before I continue. Now that we brought the, we brought the show down. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up just a little. Okay. Bring it up. Business side of things, because I mean, we we couldn't wait on announcing Justin's death uh, and giving our condolences there. Uh, check out the webpage, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. Check out our affiliates; they're on the right hand side. Supporting them supports us at no additional cost. Also, too, uh, check out our new part, our partners. Not new partners; they've been with us for a while. Heroes and Villains and Found Me. That's F O U N D M I dot com. Uh, they're the makers of uh, the really cool Bluetooth trackers. And with Heroes and Villains, the Star Wars, Marvel, Sons of Batman uh, merch. That's really, really cool. For both of them, use the code Field Agents, all one word, for 15% off your first purchase. And check out our web store where you can get your Spider Man, your Captain Marvel, your Captain America baseball jerseys. They are up. Also, too, hats, t shirts, regular baseball jerseys, hockey jerseys, sweatshirts. They're all there. Check it out. Um, again, purchasing through the store helps support us. It helps keep the show going. Trying to think there's anything else. Oh, Patreon page. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash We Be Geeks Network. Um, we've done some exclusive audio of our pre-show, post-show recordings of the different shows. And coming soon are the starting the archives for We Be Geeks and Mighty Marvel Geeks. So if you want to go hear um, the, uh, the first 50 shows, um, they will be coming gradually um, and will be up by the end of the year. Uh, and you can listen to our previous episodes, previous interviews for a dollar a month. There you go. So great deal there. It's kind of like it's kind of like deleted scenes and and stuff like that on a movie. Well, it was getting to that point. I need a space. <laughs> Plus, we're talking we, this show. You, it's, it's six years. You've reached the point in the relationship where you need space. I need space. So. Um, speaking of space, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're on season six, episode two. It's the window of opportunity. And you never figured we would get there. No. And we we know they're coming back next season for season seven, which I believe has been declared the final season. I thought we would be lucky to get three seasons out of it. Yeah. I mean, just, just because... But well, I, I'm digging this. I'm digging the the shorter summer season format for the show. I think that's what's going to work. Yeah. So, um, so of course the re- yeah, we're going to recap this. We're going to recap also Cloak and Dagger. Um, it's only taken us two years to do that. <laughs> And I think eventually we're going to need to do uh, a monthly show once the animateds come back. Do a, just once a month a recap of the different animated shows as we can. Um, so let's start. Sarge's DNA is an exact match with that of Sarge. There's a now Sarge is the gentleman who looks like. Coulson. So there's a tease of a secret past where he that he's keeping from his crew. We already see that how his ragtag of cross-dimensional warriors have issues with each other, and that this isn't their first rodeo. Rodeo. Wait, that's a drive. Okay. In, yeah, there you go. That's a drive in Beverly Hills. 
Um, we don't get the bigger picture as of yet, uh, but the episode offers massive hints on exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, it does offer more clarity, but we will be setting up uh, direct. Yeah, but they're still setting up for the direction of the entire season. Um, this episode jumps between two two plot points: Sarge's team and Fitz's space adventures. See space. I was able to tie it in. There you go. Because it's it's that final frontier. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm just waiting. I'm I'm waiting. You know, because in space, no one can hear you. eye roll. Good one. Good one. Yeah, we're, but we're we're bouncing around like a couple of space balls. But anyway, um, you've lost the bleeps, the sweeps, and the creeps. Exactly. And over on Wookiee Radio, the ra- the radar did get jammed, and it was not Raspberry. Um, so the theory is Fitz is actually stuck on Sarge's team was false. It was made for a very interesting twist with doppelgangers, but it made sense not to throw another Fitz to take away from the Coulson double. So we actually get to spend more time on the ship with him and get a feeling uh, of what he's up to. At first, um, it seems like they're trying to say stay undercover until we get confirmation that what he was taking in last week's post credit sequence was to camouflage as an alien. Sadly, he while he's a fantastic engineer... Um, he got himself caught quite easily as his fear of the strange alien snails gave him away. So great at engineering, lousy at disguise. Mm. Maybe he needs to hook up with Dana Carvey to be master of disguise. And, you know, uh, there you go. Okay, then, I then, get you. Then, then he could turtle, 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 turtle. Um, while while he isn't the greatest liar in the world, or in this case, in the universe, he does know how to sell himself and find a way for them to not get thrown out in space. Seems like a popular killing style, as the Ravenger mutiny did the same in, Gal- in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, it becomes a reality really interesting to match Fitz and the captain, as he wants to survive to see Gemma in the future. His kindness would not let anything happen to the other engineers. Now, with the Star- Sarge storyline, uh, Sarge's fuel supply seems to heavily rely on some sort of crystal that naturally lends them to a jewelry store. Um, they try and get their hands on the best merchandise. Seems simple stones are worth more than diamonds from where they come from. Naturally, S.H.I.E.L.D. arrives to take them down, but it's May that figures out how they're getting into the vault without having to use the exit. Uh, it was really a clever way to use future tech, futuristic tech by creating a wormhole in the wall. Um, the show already teases what they are planning in advance so it does not catch the viewer off guard once it comes true. So, um, so are you thinking Sarge is a scroll? I, I don't know. I still haven't figured that out yet. Because if he was, okay, if he was from another dimension, he'd still be Coulson. Unless he's Coulson with a mind wipe. Well, that's true. The Tahiti thing went a little bit too well. Uh, yeah. So, um, as we debuted last week, um, I'm going to give this episode four Hulk smashes. Hulk smash! So, you liked it that much, huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, here are some one-shots from the episode. Um, there are some great references to past projects from S.H.I.E.L.D., like a callback to LMDs, uh, which makes sense that their first theory would be connected with, to them with a familiar face showing up out of nowhere. Uh, I like that theory, though, now, that this is a Coulson LMD. Yeah. Anyone else think Clark Gregg is way too good playing an evil character? <laughs> 
You know what? I think he has just been – he's been itching to do this. It, it, as long as he's been playing Coulson, he does not get to play the bad guy because everybody wants to play the bad guy at some point. To use a wrestling term, Clark Gregg has turned heel. He's made that heel turn. Um, we get a great little tease of the doctor that may still be hiding inside of Fitz. Uh, the cavalry is back, and she pretty much took down Sarge's entire team. Yeah, baby. Mm. If only Sarge didn't show up, they they would have probably won. And then once again, Deke is nowhere to be seen, so it will be interesting to see how he factors into the story. Now, that was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's talk about uh, Cloak and Dagger. It's Season 2, Episode 8. They're calling it two-player. Um, following the escape from the motel in the previous episode, Tandy is now faced with an unconscious and seemingly dying Tyrone. <gasps> no. Mm. Um, throughout the episode, she discovers what really happened to him and does everything she can to try and bring him back. Meanwhile, Mayhem and O'Reilly have a heart-to-heart, and Adina attempts to convince Father Delgado to help clear Tyrone's name. So, when Tyrone's cloak is leaking out, Tandy makes the right decision and calls Evita to help fix whatever's wrong. Evita figures out what they need to summon Papa Lagaba the, um, in order to bring Tyrone back. Tandy and O'Reilly both decide to enter the world, or enter, to, enter the void, and no, we're not talking about the VR location at Disney Springs. Um, but they end up each going down a different path. Tandy finds her character on her way to an arcade um, to meet another Voodoo god named Samid. Uh, she asks for Tyrone back, but Samid tells her that Tyrone's being held willingly, and it becomes clear that Tyrone's afraid of making the wrong choice. This is why he's playing the video game. Tyrone can be the hero he wants in, in a world where he, where his actions don't have consequences. So um, there are two components of the game that were definitely some of the, the most interesting aspects. We get an 8-bit version of the show where Tandy and Tyrone are fighting their way through villains on the street and a live action piece where they're basically doing the same thing. Let's make the 8-bit version happen for mobile gaming. Well, there you go. Uh, by the end of the game, they're faced with Andre. Tandy decides to stop playing, and the two of them have a confrontation. Uh, she becomes upset because what they're doing isn't exactly solving their problems, just ignoring them. Um, then uh, when Tyrone, when what ends up pulling Tyrone out of his depression is when Tandy reassures him that she will stay by his side no matter what he chooses. So, okay, kind of sticking with the books a little bit. Uh, now we know that this is what's going to solidify their partnership. Um, now, one plot line that really isn't connected to any of this is Adina and Father Delgado. Adina needs his help because as a priest, he's able to submit the evidence from the Connors without being required to give up his source. Delgado seems to be better off since we last saw him, but he's still not fully recovered. He blames himself for what happened with Tyrone and feels he failed his godly duties. Um, we also see in this episode that Andre makes a discovery that could lead him back to unlocking the Loa powers that he's been seeking. So for me, this one, Hulk smashes, I give it about a three and a half, maybe four stretch. Okay. So now we might not be completely sold on the uh, rating these Hulk smashes. I don't, I just don't know what else to rate them. I don't want to do hell hydras. 
Yeah. Uh, so we're always open to ideas. Four pounds. What's that? Pals. But then we okay. do picks of the week, so. Four, f- four out of five rockets plans. I don't know. Four out of five Groots. <laughs> um, I give this one four Groots, eh? So uh, the one shots, Samidi is pretty unique and has potential to be a fun reoccurring character. Um, at the moment, it's unclear what Avita's marriage to the Loa will mean. Is it strictly spiritual or is there something more? And how will this affect her relationship with Tyrone? Uh, sad to see Aunt Chatel die. Uh, she has been real entertaining and her scenes with Tyrone been a pretty big highlight. But it's possible that she will remain in the show as a spirit. She's a Marvel force ghost. Whoa. Um, yeah. The, the double meaning of the title of the episode referring to the game Tandy and Tyrone are playing as well as several plot points with two characters figuring out how to work together. So um, the reviews come, uh, you know, I, I use the assistance of uh, the reviews from MCU Exchange to, uh, to help recap the show because my mind's just not there to remember everything. Okay. Because Cloak and Dagger airs tonight and Shield airs tomorrow. And we got another week before next week's episode. So, so yeah, this old brain needs that little extra help. <laughs> well, okie dokie. Um, well, and other TV news, though not necessarily TV. Well, you will call it TV because you'll probably be watching it on a phone. Um, <clears throat> we've got more news about uh, Disney Plus's offerings coming up when it when it hits the uh, hits the phones. Uh, you've got uh, Carrie Scogland has been set to direct the six-part Disney Plus miniseries, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, we already know that Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan will be starring because otherwise it would just be kind of awkward to have a show based on characters that aren't appearing. Yep. Yeah. Um, there are also, according to Deadline.com, uh, Daniel Bruhl and Emily Van Camp from Civil War. Uh, they're also in talks to join. Now, this is going to be particularly interesting if Bruhl shows up because he is the one who played Zemo in Captain America Civil War. Okay. So, it, yes, at the end of Civil War, he does not die. He tries, but T'Challa stops him. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert, if you still haven't watched that movie, uh, oh. and if you are, pause this podcast and go watch it. We'll uh, be right here. You know what? I, I say, no. Russo Brothers said May 6th was the day we could start spoiling. Yeah, you're on your own. We, we I'm, saying, I'm saying if you have not watched Civil War yet, pause this podcast. Go C- watch it. Civil War or Endgame? Oh, Civil War. Well, I was going to say Civil War. Civil War. So there you go. Um, the miniseries will air in August of next year. So this is not going to be a day one offering. Okay. So we're about a year year away. Yeah, a little over a year away from that. Now, Brule coming into this makes me wonder exactly where this happens you know, in the in the Marvel MCU timeline. Right. I mean, does this happen before Endgame or before Infinity War, rather? Personally, I'm hoping it takes place after. We, I hope so. Too. And we see, and we 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 see it kind of tying in with um with the Captain America or Sam Wilson Captain America series, and that we see Bucky actually helping him fine tune more into the role of Cap. 
Well, you know, I I really never thought about it when I first heard this was coming out. But the more I'm thinking about it, and this is especially triggered by, uh, you know, Sam getting the shield at the end of Endgame. Falcon and Winter Soldier, those two characters really, I think they're good for each other. Yeah. Because you think about it, Bucky, he is he's had a traumatic the past 70 years. I mean, could you could you not agree? You know, he's, oh, yeah, he's frozen yeah. thought out to kill, frozen, thought out to kill, you know, so on and so forth. So he's definitely had a worse time of it than Steve. And what was Sam when we first see him? He was a counselor. Yep. Now, he also, I mean, he was a soldier. He was, he, he was, I don't want to say special forces, but he was, he was still above like your standard grunt. Right. But I think that Bucky would be good for Sam in the way that, that, that he can mentor him to the next level of combat. Right. Oh, wait, to your left. On your left. On your left. Sorry. Yeah. So, you know, it's the the deadline article said the, the the writer says I had heard that Sam's accepting the shield uh, will figure into the miniseries. But there has been no official comment from the from the studio on that. Okay. So you, you don't know. Right. You don't know. And I'm looking forward to this, actually, because, I mean, when you first hear, well, this is putting, you know, they're they're getting their own series together. You think, why are you pairing these two up? Right. But the more you think about it, the more these two characters can help each other. Yeah. I mean, they're so, perfect for each other yeah. in many, many ways. But uh, Carrie Skoglin, uh, we seem to like not talk about her now, but uh, she is Emmy nominated. She's won BAFTA awards. Uh, She's directed a lot of stuff. And she was also executive producer and director of History's Sons of Liberties. Uh, That was a six part uh, miniseries. And she won the uh, she won a Directors Guild of Canada Award for Best Director. Okay, Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, this I think could uh, this could be pretty good. I think so. I, I, the only thing to say is, you know, hopefully we could. I wish it was sooner. Well, I think when Disney Plus opens up or, or goes live, there'll be enough stuff to get our attention and keep our attention. Yeah. Not everything has to be there day one. But, you know, it's it's one of those we, we know Mandalorian is pretty much going to be day one or close to it. What? What Marvel show really has been announced as coming out first? Is it Loki? Is it um, is it Vision Quest or uh, WandaVision? Sorry, <laughs> I mean, what, what are we what are we doing? So that that's my question: is what where are we going to be doing? You know, what's coming first? So, but um, apparently the count at the moment is twenty nine cameos that made it made it to Endgame. Kind of making this like a love letter to all others. And be forewarned, um, some spoilers here if you have not seen Endgame. But like I said, it just doesn't matter. As Russo said, May 6th. So, there you go. Um, number by the, way, by the way, before you go into the list, Avengers Endgame is $2.624 billion Wow. To date, global. It still got there quicker than uh, than the Blue Skin film. Yeah. 
So. I'm just it's it's about six hundred thousand dollars shy of hitting seven hundred and eighty million domestic. Yeah. Uh, so number one, Linda. Cardellini, which I think we talked about when we... We did, when we talked about Endgame. Uh, of course, you know her as uh, Velma from Scooby-Doo, but she also was on ER. So, um, how about the guy who plays the security guard who finally lets uh, Scott out of the cage when he comes back from the quantum realm? That uh, is probably... You know, we have all these incredible moments in this movie, but think about this. You're a security guard with a doctorate, <laughs> but you're a security guard sitting there. And all of a sudden you see on the monitor, there's somebody begging to be let out of a locked, a lock locker, yeah. basically. And you, it, you will never understand how he got in there. Nope. You'll never understand how he get in there and how long he'd been in there. Well, that was the dilemma that was granted to Kim Jong. So, um, now speaking of directors, in the post-snap support group that Cap runs, we see Joe Russo. Yeah, when I saw that, I was kind of like, well, that's one way to uh, to make your mark in the MCU. You yep. play a character. Now, I don't, I don't know if I would consider this a cameo. Because well, well as the, cameo, it's kind of long. Well, this next one, yeah, I don't, I don't see where this one's a cameo because this person, you know, I thought. We were having a moment. I was having 12% of a moment. I think she got more than that. Yeah, that's that's more than just a cameo. And that was Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, Pepper. Pepper, yeah. I mean, she was yeah. there for and more she, than... She had a role that was meatier than a cameo. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and I say the same thing with this next one. That's Tessa Thompson, who's Valkyrie. No, I would, I would go with cameo on that one. Because, it, well, no, we see her at uh, New Asgard. We see yeah. her in the battle. Yeah, and, and she she has a major part in the battle. Well, I mean, she she's there for more than just cameo status in the battle. If you take away the battle, yeah, it's a cameo, right? Okay. But I don't I don't know that you could truly count the battle. Because this was like Superhero Night at the Sizzler. Right. Everybody was there. Right. Uh, Takiyo Watiti, who is back as the voice of Korg. Okay, I, that was cameo. And I loved that cameo. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we don't say that name around here. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, I just, I can't say the way, I can't say it the way he says it. It's kind of like, hey, man, it's just the way he, he pitches it up. You yeah. just cannot like the guy. He, he threw her. That guy's back again. You want to take care of it? <laughs> um, Tilda Swinton returns as the Ancient One. I am not a fan of her character, but I loved her cameo. Yes. Uh, I, I think we go back to when we talked about Doctor Strange. She's a great actress and everything, but she was the wrong choice for the Ancient One. Yeah. They should have kept with the hey. ethnic. Yeah. I, I have no problem with the Ancient One being a woman. No, I and this I, is why the movie premiered. I, I don't have that problem. It's just, it, and this is really just an old argument, and it's kind of pointless at this point. But yeah, I'm with you. I think she should have been the ancient one. Should have been cast as an Asian. Yes, this is one of those times that I didn't have a problem with the gender swap. It's the yeah. ethnic swap that I had issue with. Yeah, and all those people who said, "Oh my God, I can't believe Iron Fist is a white guy." Uh, go read your source material. Yeah, you, you can't you can't do Iron Fist as an Asian guy without calling it Shang Chi. 
Yeah, it's like wish that movie's coming. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched the the movie Othello oh, with yeah. uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I remember a local movie critic writing about it, saying it was such a bold move on the director's part to cast Othello as a black man. Uh, have you not read the so, play? <laughs> so when yeah yeah I mean when when people are complaining about Iron Fist being white, I mean that's the same the same mentality that. That comes to mind. That I think about that movie critics review. If you, if you want to be bold with something like that, you make the rest of the cast black and make Othello white. That would be a bold move, but it'd probably be good. Probably get the right casting. There you go. Oh, um, I think they it's called White Man Can't Jump. Oh, oh, and unfortunately, Wesley Snipes couldn't jump either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number nine, Natalie Portman. And the, no, sad, the sad part about this cameo, all of this was taken from previous footage. Yeah. You skipped number eight. Did I? Oh, Tom yes. Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, which I love it. And I love the fact that they just basically <sighs> bypassed the death. Yeah. Yeah. And supposedly him taking the Tesseract in 2012 is what leads to his series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, I guess we'll find out more of that when, when it gets to that point. Uh, Renee Russo at number 10. Okay, like, that cameo had me fighting the tears. Yeah. I, I'm just going to admit it. Uh, number 11, Robert Redford, which allowed the setup of probably one of the most beautiful yes. lines of Cap then going Hell Hydra, in which I yeah. did shout out, get that man a Snickers bar. <laughs> No, that was that was a really nice uh, Winter Soldier tie-in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number twelve, William Hurt as Thunderbolt Ross or Thaddeus Ross. Well, Thunderbolt. Yeah. yeah. I, of course, he comes all the way back to pay his respects at Tony's funeral. I would. It's a nice touch. I want to see him eventually as Red Hulk. That would be cool. I mean, and. Considering what they have done with Mark Ruffalo, yep, I could so totally see them doing that with Hurt. Yep. Um, number thirteen, Frank Grillo as yeah. Crossbones. Yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, and yes, that was probably one of the the best callbacks in all the movie. Yeah. Uh, well, to follow up, how about Maximiliano Hernandez as yep. Sitwell, which leads to the cap line of Hell Hydra. Uh-huh. So I just love how he this that reminds me really of the capture the flag bit from the first Avenger. Oh, if you could climb the flagpole. You no, know, if if you can collect that flag, if you can get that flag, right. you get to ride in the Jeep. Yep. And so everybody it's doing what is expected and they try to climb the pole with no so, success. With no success and Steve uses his brain to accomplish the objective by just, you know, pulling out the pin, causing the flagpole to fall and just hand, you know, taking it off that way. Yep. And so once again, you have Cap using his head to, you know, to achieve, you know, gain the objective where everybody else in the world is expecting a knockdown drag out in the elevator, just like Winter Soldier. Yeah, I like that. It will test your head and your mind and your brain. Okay. What he said. Um, number 15, Stan Lee. And that's probably his last one. Uh, I believe it is his last one. Uh, number 16, Yvette Nicole Brown. Again, another community cameo. Yep. Her and Kim Jong. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, John Slattery as uh, as Howard Stark. AKA, I still want to 
AKA I, the Marvel Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've mentioned it, I can't see him as anything but. But yeah, that was a nice scene. Yeah. That was a nice scene. And, you know, it's like he looks familiar. Have we met him? Yeah. Uh, number 18, Haley Atwell. Uh huh. Just enough said. Hey, I called it. Yeah. I could, that's what I wanted to see. Uh, if Cap's out, I wanted to see him have a happy ever after with her. Now, aged extremely well, James Darcy as as Jarvis. Yeah. Um, Michael Douglas, which I loved how in that lab we got the original Ant Man helmet. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Only thing I could think of with that is I was waiting for, for Garrett Morris to be coming over to pick it up. Oh, it. no. That, yes. If they had put Garrett Morris in there, I, I'd, I'd have lost it. See, we could have helped write some of this stuff. Um, Ross Marquand, uh, Marquand, um, he took over the duties from Hugo Weaving back in Infinity War as the Red, Red Skull. Okay, what you just said about us writing parts of the movie, I'd have written a scene between him and Cap. Because Cap had returned the Soul Stone to Vormir. Supposedly, isn't there a uh, one-shot coming talking about this? Or they were t- there was a one-shot talking about him taking back the different stones? There's uh, God, I hope so. I hope so. Well, I did hear um, the guy who plays Lewis. They did, supposedly... F- Feige has come out and said they did record him doing a recap leading into Endgame. It's like, why? Please, why did you release that's it? On the DVD. Please tell me that's on the DVD. And that's what I'm hoping for. Um, this next one, uh, I say borderline cameo, and that's John Favreau. Yeah, that's a cameo. Okay. Um, I mean, you don't you don't really see him until the end at the funeral, right? Uh, that counts. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I thought we saw him before. Um, Tom Von Lawler. Squidward. Who, who plays Ebony Maw as well. Squidward. Yep. Uh, Angela Bassett, who, you know, we're not sure whether she fell or not due to the snap, but it doesn't matter because she accompanies her kids to the funeral. Angela Bassett That's looks absolutely wonderful. Yeah, she does. She, she is beautiful. I thought she was beautiful when she played Tina Turner. See, now you take my joke. I was going to say, I wonder what love has to do with the way she looks. <laughs> you know what? I'm glad I took it. <laughs> and I bet most people who are listening are glad. So you know what? If you're listening to this, you're welcome. Especially you, Mary. I know you're very proud. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> and Eric chose to ignore that one. Because <laughs> we, we know about Proud Mary. She just keeps on rolling. Yes, I know. Okay. Uh, Latia, Latia Wright. Latisha Wright. Latisha yeah. Wright. God. You forgot okay. the sh in there. The yeah. Um, she plays Shuri. Of course, seeing her come back, that was pretty kick, but I would love to see us. Yeah. I would love to see a Disney plus series based around her. That would be cool. Uh, especially if she like did like a Black Panther themed Iron Man suit. Yeah. Or just this week in Wakanda Tech. <laughs> <laughs> um, Benedict Wong comes in at number 26, which I loved his character. He is a, he has a great character. I want more Wong. Yes. If it's wrong to want more Wong, I don't want to be white. Or left. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I don't want to be left out. I wait. Yeah. Um, number 27, Marissa Torme. 
Uh, of course, she's right there next to, to uh, Parker at the funeral. Yeah. Uh, Which, go ahead. Good on her. Yep. Uh, 28, Jacob Batalone. Mm-hmm. You know what? I would love to try and get him on the show. That would be cool. And and here's the thing. He clearly got snapped as well. Yeah. Apparently, all of Parker's friends in in home, you know, because Mary MJ gets snapped. The other guys get snapped. You know, some of the other crew that they all hang with all yeah. got snapped. So um, so he comes in at number 28. And have you seen the video from Disneyland where here comes a Spider-Man to do a meet and greet? And he, he shakes hands, takes pictures, does autographs with a few. Yeah. And then here's this school, uh, this little group. And all of a sudden here comes Zendaya. Here comes Jacob. Here comes, uh, was it Jake Gyllenhaal? Seeing that group? No. There's someone else. And they, and they get into the back of the picture. And everyone turns around, oh, my God, it's scars. And I, I guess you, it's alluded to of uh, Spider-Man looks at him and goes, wow, it looks like the only person you're missing is Tom Holland. I mean, you can't hear him because it's too far away. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would be really cool if Tom Holland's here and he pulls off the mask. Well, I am. Well, there you go. <laughs> that was well, have, you know, have, Tom have, Holland cannot keep a secret for long. No. But have, have you seen that video? Yeah. That's such a great video. That is a fantastic video. Now, I think the the most impressive cameo in all this was Ty Simpkins. It's definitely one that flew under ever is a lot of people's radar. I I caught it right away and I hadn't heard about it. I'm like, oh my god, it's the kid from. At first, I thought it was the kid from Iron Man Two, but they're saying no, that's Parker. Well, there you go. So my immediate thought was, oh, it, it's the kid from Iron Man Three. Yeah. So, um. I wonder if he would eventually maybe become Iron Hammer. You know, it would be nice to have more of him in the movies. Yep. Because, because I, I have a funny feeling Morgan's going to become Ironheart instead of the direction they went in the comics. I think it's going to no. end up being her carrying on the legacy. Okay. I would not mind seeing her be, be an Iron Man type. But if you're going to do Ironheart in the movies, do Riri Williams. Okay. I mean, it's... Okay, then do you see Morgan become the next rescue and take her mom's armor? You know what? I like that. I do like that. Um, and I want to see her this age. All right, th- think about this. You know, Tony Stark is... His power is his suit. But some could argue that he has... That he his power is to generate tech, right? Kind of like Forge from the X Men, right? Now, what organ had that? Yeah, that would be cool. So you have a a five or six year old girl making her own suit of armor, which I think we're going to get that quite possibly. Now, Iron Hammer is from uh, the Infinity Warps story arc, and it's almost like Iron Man meets. Thor, so to speak. Yes, I remember that. That is, um, yeah. But I, I could pretend, unless he becomes the new Iron Man, taking over for Tony, yeah, in the Iron Man suit. So, yeah, it, it, Iron Hammer. His name Stark Odinson. Yes, basically, yeah. it, was a, it was a combination of Iron Man and Thor. Yes, because you also had like the Soldier Supreme or whatever you called him, but he was a he was a combination of Captain America and Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, those are the cameos. Well, I tell you, if uh, if a certain group of Marvel fans have their way, we'll get a we'll get a new cameo from. Uh, oh dear Lord, can I even? I don't know that I can go through with this, man. I don't know that I can. <laughs> I can share this story, but I'm going to, you'll pray for me. I'm going to try to power through it. Okay. 
there is a potential. There's a petition that uh, that is circulating, and it has crossed twenty thousand signatures for Danny DeVito to play Wolverine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Interesting. Um, interesting is not the word I would use for it, but uh, but hey. It's again. It's it's crossed twenty thousand signatures. It was posted over on Change.org, which is <laughs> which is where most of them go. Um, his stated the guy who's who did it uh, stated this reason for putting it up. Quote: The only man able to take the throne after Hugh Jackman. We believe that if Wolverine is to make an appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the only man able to pull it off is Danny DeVito. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to tell if this started off as a joke or serious, but. Um, and really, there's an argument that could be made that online petitions in general are starting to become a joke in and of themselves. True. Uh, there is a petition to remake Game of Thrones season eight. Sorry, if you're going if you're going to complain about that, talk to George R. R. Martin. It's his plot lines. It was well. His, it was his direction. He's the one who signed off on it. Well, they they've gone past what he's written and. I have I've seen it, and we're not going to go into spoilers just in case somebody is out here still wanting to watch it in Hatton. But the best argument that I've seen for how this went down, it's not excusing it, it's not rationalizing it. It's just stating how it likely came into being. Right. Is that you have gone through seven seasons with characters going on their own arcs and stuff like that. But then the writers sit down and say, okay, this, you know, this particular episode is going to be the last one. This is where we're going to wrap everything up with a big old honking bow, and we're done. Right. So we know this has to happen. This has to happen. This has to happen. How do we get there from where we are now? So rather than letting the character journeys dictate the script – the, the ending dictates the script for all of the season. It, it's kind of like, well, you know, Jon Snow has got to end up here, but he's here right now. So he's going to have to do this, 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 and this to get there. Right. So and re, this is uh, this is an article on comicbook.com. And they do say, of course, these recent petitions have resulted in zero action on the part of studios. Uh, there's, he says, and even the more persistent movements like Justice League, release the Snyder Cut, or remake Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't have a very high opinion of online petitions. I don't anyway. I think this. I one, mean, I think this one's very creative. I my personal thought is this: this started off as a joke, which I think so. But it's gotten it's gotten such legs to it that. You know, I would actually like to see him do it just as a like as a parody video. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't mind seeing him just in the MCU altogether. No, I got the perfect character, Irving Forbush. Yes, Danny DeVito would make a perfect, perfect. Well, who who's the who's the dwarf that fights along with the uh, with the seven in Dopey? Okay, no, no I'm kidding. The dwarf that play that <sighs> fights along who with Thor and, and Valkyrie and those guys. You're not talking Itri, are you? Yes. Um, 
I hate to break this to you, buddy, but Peter Dinklage played that character. Okay. Peter Dinklage played Itri in, That's in right. uh, Infinity War. Yeah, I was. Ex- okay, I'm thinking someone else. Maybe from the you Eternals. Know, I, oh, are you thinking Pip the Troll? Yes. Now, he would make a perfect Pip the Troll. Yes, he would. Yes. Yes, he was alongside, you know, Adam Warlock and, and Gamora yeah. during the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. Yes. He now, would be perfect. Now, before we get to the picks of the week, I've been seeing this one picture go around that kind of should have, maybe this should have been consideration. Old Man Cap should have been Stan Lee. So it explains all his cameos are just him checking in on his friends that he misses. If Stan Lee looked anything like Chris Evans, I'd have loved that. Yeah? Yes. I, I like that. And then I'm seeing a quick headline rumor, which we could talk about later. Is Luke Cage coming to Marvel's Cloak and Dagger? Why not? Hey, at least all the TV shows can be connected. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Because, all right, the Defenders were all street-level characters. Yep. Cloak and Dagger are street-level characters. Yep. Shield is street-level to some extent. Well, yeah. Well, that... I don't know. Shield has kind of They're all over the place. The the first two or three seasons, I would say I, I would agree with you. But especially what they've done since season four. Right. It it's kind of it's kind of gone beyond street level. Yeah. Well, um I think um, I think that wraps up our stories. Oh, okay. Well, then, I think all that's left is for Thursday to give us to the uh, the go-ahead for Picks of the Week. Here are the Picks of the Week. Thank Just you. Just kidding. Ah! <laughs> um, so, Eric, since you've got the MU pick this week, why don't you start us off? Okay, my first pick of the week is Thor number 13 by Jason Aaron and Michael Del Mundo. War of the Realms tie-in. Weeks ago, Allfather Odin sent his brother Kull, the serpent, the god of fear, Thor's backstabbing uncle, into the depths of Malachus' home realm's Svartalfheim. Did I say that right? Svartalfheim. Yeah, there you go. There lies, yeah, thank you. There lies the Black Bifrost, Malachus' own corrupted Rainbow Bridge. Cull's mission is to gather intelligence on the Bifrost, if he can, destroy it. But will Cull redeem himself at last, or has the Allfather made another critical mistake in this War of the Realms? Okay. Well, my uh, first pick is Spider-Man Noir, the complete collection. It's a trade paperback. They're hard-boiled adventures of the grittiest web-slinger in the Spider-Verse. In the dark days of the Great Depression, young reporter Peter Parker finds himself forever changed by a spider's bite and resolves to take on crime and corruption as the urban vigilante called Spider-Man. There are no shortage of foes from gangland bosses like Goblin and Crime Master to pulp error twists on familiar faces like Craven, Chameleon, Doc Ock, and more. But will the seductive Felicia Hardy prove friend or foe? Plus, Spider-Man Noir enters the Spider-Verse via an encounter with Mysterio and shares a spectacular team-up with a six-armed Spidey. In a brand new video comic adventure adapted for print, uh, it's collecting Spider-Man Noir 1 through 4, Noir Eyes Without a Face 1 through 4, Edge of Spider-Verse 1, Spider-Geddon, Spider-Man Noir video comic, and material from Spider-Verse team-up number one. Cool. 
All right. My second pick of the week is War of Realms, Spider-Man and League of Realms, number two of three by Sean Ryan, Nico Leon and Ken Lashley. War of the Realms tie-in. In order to win the War of Realms, we need a League of Realms. Thor once led this team with one representative from each fantastical realm, but the League has a new leader and representative of Midgard, Spider-Man. Spider-Man must Frodo up and lead this ragtag group of Screwbeard the Dwarf, Ud the Troll, Roe Bloodroot the Wizard, Sir Ivory Honeyshot the Light Elf, and Titania the Mountain Giant. But who will represent Asgard? And as Spidey is a terrible leader, could this team possibly achieve anything? Night remember choosing the last one, uh, the the number one in this series, just because of the words Frodo up. Yep. Yep. And I still I stand by that decision. Um my second pick the week is one that kinda upset Eric that I beat him to it. Star yeah, Wars Star Wars original Marvel Years number one oh eight. You heard us talk about it before in the past. Um this is the all-new next issue to the original Marvel Star Wars series, so it's not canon. Um, a long time ago, on a spinner rack far, far away, Star Wars comics were a lot different than they are now, with wild and intric- intricately plotted storylines, as if they're not that way now. Uh, Marvel's original run introduced an array of unique heroes, villains to play alongside George Lucas's incredibly popular science fantasy characters. In celebration of Marvel's 80th anniversary, this Legends era sequel to a legendary comic book writer, um, Archie Goodwin's Crimson Forever, unites Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2 with Jackson, Amazia Foxtrain, uh, Mina Tagi and Valance the Hunter in a galaxy-threatening, nostalgic roller coaster. So strap yourselves in. And I still want to see Crimson Jack. Crimson Jack, the pirate who took over a Star Destroyer. <laughs> okay, my third pick is War of Realms War Scrolls number two of three by Jason Aaron, Andrea Sorrentino, Alan Davis, and more. The must-read companion to the War of the Realms. You see a War of the Realms theme showing up here? Uh, From the Asgardian Bifrost, Daredevil watches Malekith and his forces lay waste to realms. Jason Aaron and Andrea Sorrentino take Daredevil, the god without fear, to places he never believed he would see. Then Devin Grayson spins a tale of magic and its consequences as Doctor Strange casts a spell that will cost him dearly and devastate the Asgardian pantheon. All this and more straight from the battlefield of War of the Realms. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Well, my third pick is Star Wars Vader Dark Visions number four. Never mess with the best. We all know Darth Vader as the Emperor's Iron Fist. But as any rebel could tell you, he's a terror in a TIE fighter. What does it all have? What does it feel like in that X-Wing cockpit when you're nose to nose with the Empire's deadliest pilot? Will you even live to tell the tale, Hotshot? So we're Back to you for the fourth and final final picks of the week, which the last time it was just the two of us. That's what we did. We did an additional pick of the week. um, So that's what I think that's probably probably going to become ape law from now on. When Um, When there's two, we go eight. Yeah, there you go. 
So my fourth and final pick of the week is Wolverine Long Night Adaptation number five of five by Ben Percy, Marcio Takara, and Raphael Albuquerque. Wonder if he takes a left turn. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, in the thrilling conclusion to this adaptation of Marvel's hit podcast, Logan finally confronts the serial killer terrorizing Burns, Alaska. But that's not the only danger he faces, as threats abound and conspiracies unravel around him. Okay, well, my final pick of the week is Marvel Rising, number three of five. Home of the Inhumans gets a medieval makeover. Morgan Le Fay's moving to New Jersey, and she's just chosen the location for her castle, New Atelian. But the Inhumans aren't planning to give up their home to a queen from another age. And with fellow Inhumans, Miss Marvel and Inferno nearby, they're hoping they won't have to. The Marvel Rising team joins forces with ISO, Reader, Mosaic, and others to save New Antillian and the whole of New Jersey from one of the most powerful sorceresses in history. So, All right, so that brings us to the MU pick, the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week, and it is my turn. Yep. So uh, I do like my picks to uh, to relate to something that we talked about earlier in the show. And I also like number ones or the first time we see somebody. Fortunately, uh, we get to we, we get to cross off a couple of boxes with this one. This is Wolverine number one, a Marvel Comics limited series from 1982, published in September of 1982, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Frank Miller, who also did the cover art. He's the best there is at what he does, but what he does isn't very nice. See, Wolverine do lots of not nice things, like fighting a bear in the Canadian Rockies, sword fighting with one of his greatest foes, Lord Shinjin, and fighting for the honor of his lady love, Mariko Yoshida, against her husband. Okay. There you go. But yeah, this was like a, uh, I think it was a four-part limited series, and it really went a long way towards uh, towards establishing the Wolverine that we know today. Right. I mean, when you first saw him as, as a Hulk villain, uh, he wasn't, really, he wasn't very interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you brought, when, when they bring him into the X-Men, he starts becoming interesting. But this is where a lot of the a, a lot of the stuff that that makes Wolverine Wolverine are established. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I mean, you've got Chris Claremont and Frank Miller working together. How could it not be awesome? That's a deadly combination. So, well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Any final thoughts? Um, no, no, I think I'm thought it out for the day. Actually, um, I, I do have one more. Okay. What's your one more? Uh, the dark Phoenix cast are unsure about their roles going forward. Now that X-Men's under the Disney property. I have no great issue with casting choices with, with the, the actors and actresses that, that Fox chose to play these characters. Right. And I could see where an argument could be made that now that the timeline has pretty much been splintered, hey, thanks, Cap, <laughs> that they could really – they could continue this on. But at the same time, I think a lot of people just aren't that satisfied with the way that the Fox con- continuity is going. Right. 
I mean, I thought I, I thought X Men First Class was a was a pretty good effort. Uh, Age of Apocalypse, um, Poe Dameron playing a Smurf just does not work. No. So I, I'm torn on that. I mean, I could see where if I I don't know I don't know if if I were Disney, I would want to find a way to to bring some of these characters back to bring to integrate these characters and if you're going to do it do the characters that have been playing it right i think that would be a nice touch because you know casting may not have been quite mcu caliber they were still good i agree i just i think if you're going to do it though most of these characters I and mean, most of these actors thank them for their time but i think they all need to be recasted you you think it calls for going that far yeah because now you're going to add confusion to you know these characters Characters are coming from an earlier time period, jumping to modern time. Because Dark Phoenix takes place, what, in the 80s? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, when you have these different timelines, these different dimensions, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say, okay, you're going from the X-Men dimensions 80s to the MCU's 20-teens. Right. That's a that's a major jump, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's not insignificant. I'm just saying you can do it. Yeah. I mean, with the Spider-Verse, you've got, you know, Spider-Man Noir and, and uh, you know, the Captain Britain Spider-Man and all these others. I mean, it's not something it, it's not something that's never been seen before. Right. I, I just think it may be too much for of a jump for MCU fans who, well, that's, who, aren't, that's fair. who aren't involved in the comics. That's that's fair. I I think they could do it, but uh, conventional wisdom to me though does say that they would just go ahead and recast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I I I say there's there's a way they could do it with existing cast. Okay. They may choose not to, but I still say there's a way they could. Okay. I I, I can accept that. Okay. So um, that's going to wrap it up. There's a only thing. Yes. No, no. I'm uh, just. I just saw your pencil move. Yeah. So. Well, that's just me. That's just me trying to uh, to act like Def Leppard's drummer. You got it. Okay. Hey, he shares your last name. Exactly. So um, that's going to wrap it up for us. So uh, Thursday, if you would, please. I am one of the most powerful computing systems on the planet, and this is how we are spending our time together? Uh, not anymore for tonight. Okay. Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing.